I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding Reality a podcast about reality television and part of the Decoding TV network. I'm David Chen. I'm here today with at Joy Onapping. Joy, thanks for chatting with me today. Um, as usual, I would not be anywhere else. On today's episode of the podcast, Decoding Reality, uh, we are going to be discussing Love is Blind Season 4, Episode 9, 10, and 11. So Love is Blind, Season 4, Episodes 9, 10, and 11. You can find more episodes of this podcast at decodingreality.tv. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Now, before we get into today's batch of episodes, uh, we got a bunch of administrative stuff that we need to cover. The first thing is, uh, you know, I will say over the last few weeks, we have accumulated quite a number of people... Uh, mostly our friends <laughs> who are listening to this podcast. 99% of the three people that listen to the show are people mm. who know us or are connected. Is that the kind of math they taught you at Harvard? Yes. Uh, I think and, we're at the tens of dozens of listeners. Yes. Tens of dozens of listeners. We're very grateful for them. Uh, but I, I'm so thank you for joining us. There are probably one or two more episodes of love is blind. Uh, decoding reality episodes that we're going to be recording over at decodingreality.tv. The next episode of the show will drop on April 14th. It will basically have the results of all the weddings. And then there is going to be a live special on April 16th on Sunday. Now, I believe prior to this point, the only internationally broadcast live special that Netflix has done is the Chris Rock comedy special. I believe you are right. I believe you are right. So... They've decided to use that live technology on Chris Rock live comedy special and the Love is Blind reunion. This will be the second thing that they're doing. So, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Joy. Well, in Chris Rock's case, they wanted to make an event out of it. But that was material he had been doing previously. What I really appreciate about this is that this show and when it is shot and then aired and then people's social media interactions with it, including the stars of the show, have gotten so confusing and asynchronous that it's actually nice to have a way to fold it all into one moment in time. I think last season of Love is Blind, season three, we saw 
a reunion special. And then clearly the producers had time to go and like fetch footage of a scene about the cuties, you know, the little oranges mm-hmm. that Zeneb and Cole remembered very differently and insert that into the the program. Um, and then, you know, there was a different special, but it was filmed in some ways before the reunion. And so it, it all just feels like, yes, everybody, let's all be at the same moment in time in this story. And that mm-hmm. moment is the present moment. Things are like really out of control. I feel like particularly the social media angle on this. Indeed. Indeed. So the ideal thing would be for us to watch the last episode, do a recap, and then watch the live reunion and then do a recap. I don't know if we're going to have time to do all that. Um, we That's our might, aspiration. Yeah, we but... may just like loop it all into one episode, uh, probably the night of or the day after the reunion. But that will probably be the last thing that we record uh, on season four. And we're really grateful for people for joining us uh, for this journey over at decodingreality.tv. I want to mention, by the way, if you're listening to this, and you want to support the the podcasting that we do over at Decoding TV? You can become a, you can actually become a paid member at decodingtv.com uh, and support shows like Decoding Reality, Decoding TV, and Acasta Kings. Yes, thank you to all the supporters. Your um, contributions have helped buy me a real microphone stand, um, so that I don't have one that came for free. I later found out and was falling over um, constantly. So. Thank you. It's already paying off in better audio quality. Indeed, indeed. So thank you for everyone who's a paid member at DecodingTV.com. The other thing is, Joy, uh, as of uh, when we're recording this, right? What's so funny? Well, I'm I'm just, uh, I'm not sure where you're headed next, but uh, let's see what you have to say. Well, there's a lot of spoilers out there for uh, Love is Blind this season, right? Yeah. People on Reddit have gone and looked up people's marriage licenses. And so they know whether or not people have gotten married. Uh, There's a lot of basically stuff that's happening around the show that's not in the show itself. We will not spoil anything about the marriages. But we will talk about other things that have happened extraneous to the show that are now like impacting the show or people's discussion around the show. Specifically, a bunch of people have come out on social media and apologized for stuff they said during the show. Um, some people have given interviews and done other stuff around uh, their actions yeah. in the show. So uh, we, will be talk- we, will, we will be talking about that stuff, uh, but yeah. we will not be spoiling who gets married or not. You know, yeah. So I just want to If the cast that. speaks, like yeah. to me, that is not quote unquote a spoiler. But any, you know detective work that people are doing you know i do consider a spoiler or if uh they're friends with someone or they they shot a secret video off their balcony of two people making out on the street like that that feels to me one unverifiable and i mean we're we're inches away from having deep fakes that could pull that off anyway um and and really kind of for me outside of the spirit of what we're trying to do um also exhausting because there's just so much of that, like speculative energy out there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just letting people know, like, there's there's stuff out there on the internet. We're not going to spoil it, but we will be uh, talking about some of the stuff that has come up. And, you know, uh, the show was shot, I think the weddings were, like, in May of 2022. So it's been almost 11 months, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah. people are out there living potentially as married. <laughs> living their lives i, I do want to say this uh the cast if and when they do pr or they do interviews um they do not reveal what has actually happened so they're like right i think they're media trained to like not give away spoilers which is actually pretty impressive because they're I regular so. people they're regular people you know so uh okay 
Now, regular people know how to lie too, David. <laughs> one of the things that is really unfortunate, you know, like the people who are paid members at decodingtv.com, like we're so grateful to them for making the decoding TV network possible, but one of the things that has been severely underfunded at decodingtv.com, it's like really sad, is our fact-checking department. Um, in fact, our fact-checking department consists of one person, me. And I have just been doing a really terrible job uh, of fact-checking what at Joy O'Napping has been saying because a slew of inaccuracies has been dropped on the Decoding Reality podcast. and Well, the, um, the fact checkers are the tens of dozens of listeners, and I think we heard from every single one of you. <laughs> we, we heard from all of the listeners, or as they like to be called, Kevin and, Je and James, you know, who they're, they're the two people that are actually listening to the podcast. Um, and Chris. Don't forget and, Chris. Yeah, Chris, that's right. Um, but, yeah, we, we've made some mistakes, and I would like to take the opportunity to clarify yes. uh, some of the, the things. Time for I've... the corrections before right. we get into it. And Carol. <laughs> yeah. Also Carol. <laughs> Carol. Carol in the chat right now, as we're broadcasting right now, live at YouTube.com slash Decoding TV. Uh, so the biggest one is, at various times, uh, at Joy Napping has alluded to the fact that Love is Blind Season 1 was filmed in Chicago. It was not filmed in Chicago. It was filmed in Atlanta. Now, the question was raised, uh, Did has David Chen even watched Love is Blind Season 1? I have. You have not. Yes, and uh, that is how I made the error. That is really my fault. I really felt pretty confident about that one, too, so that one's bad. Uh, yeah, and why did I not correct at Joy Napping about the error? It's because... Uh, I don't care enough about <laughs> looking up you think where Atlanta and Chicago look the same? <laughs> it's more like, uh, that was years ago when Love is, you know, the beginning of the pandemic. The, it, Love is Blind season one launched at the beginning of the pandemic, okay? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I have lived an entire lifetime since then, so it's like, I, I didn't feel like I had to go. I just assume, why would Joy say a wrong fact about Love yeah. is Blind season one? Uh, why would she even bring that up unless she was sure? That's a That's a very weird thing to say, unless you're sure. So, yeah. um, anyway, sorry about that. Uh, Love is Blind Season 1, we shot it at Lytha. Okay. Um, Joy, I think you want to take the next couple of uh, corrections, because these are, these are uh, things that I didn't assert, nor would I have, you know. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. So then, this, this one is also quite bad. <laughs> I said that Washington State University, which is the alma mater of Shelby, from Edmonds, um, is actually uh, north of Seattle, and it is not. It is quite a bit east of Seattle. I got it confused with a different university. Terrible. It is really terrible. It is really terrible. Um, and that shows the kind of sort of regional imperialism of the Seattle big city snobs, and I apologize to the people of Pullman, Washington. Uh, nextly, is Micah really from Edmonds? Okay, look, I think. Yeah, we, we had gotten some comments in the chat that Micah went to school in Seattle, and then you were saying Micah's from here, Micah's from there. I'm just like, what are you even talking about? Okay, but anyway, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Micah is, went to high school at a private school in Seattle, but I, I think that Micah's crew is an Edmonds crew. So, like, I don't, 
it's not a 100% correction. It's more of like a question mark, you know, like in Super Mario where there's like the question mark box, like that is where is Micah's from is in the question mark box. Mm-hmm. Who knows what you're going to get if you hit that thing with your head. Um, and then uh, I also said, uh, this is my fourth correction of our fourth correction of this episode. Um, the, the Earth's atmosphere is 71% nitrogen, and that is not true. It is 78%. Apologies. That, all the nitrogen your, your, gravest error, your gravest error of all, you know? And then uh, do you want to take the final one, or should I? Uh, no, you can take it. Go ahead. Man, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> so we were not clear on who Zach had had the conversation with in the pods about the song, I Hope You Dance, and wanting it to be at his wedding. It turns out it was Zach and Bliss. We were all reminded of this during this set of episodes when Zach talks to his friend and says, I can't, there are all the signs. You know, we both are into the owls. We both love this song, I Hope You Can Dance. The friend says, that is not a very common song. And I, I, I like hope you dance. Check. I hope you dance is the name of the song. Let's not introduce more errors. What did I call it? You said, I hope you can dance. Oh, it's like, so you think you can dance. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you can dance is a really passive aggressive sounding name for it. Yep. yep. <laughs> anyway, I hope you dance. I would like to fact check that guy that it is an incredibly common song, particularly for weddings, particularly for first dances at weddings. But okay, fine. You know, I, I've, I've, it's time for me to go to Smith and eat a huge helping of crow. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, not an error that we made, but I would say a grievous error that the show made. Uh, they edited it so that it se- seemed like Zach, uh, the, the show edited Zach, so it, it seemed like he said, hey, Irina, I wrote a song for you, you know? And then he starts singing the song, and it's a song that is another song that already exists, but with different lyrics. Well, Zach has, I think... You take my blues away. Yeah, that Irina, you take my blues away. And then... Uh, uh, Zach has, I think, posted on TikTok that uh, he showed footage from the show uh, that says that he, like, where it shows that he clearly explained to Irina, hey, this is not an original. I actually put new lyrics into the old song. So it was yeah. just a, the, the edit that did him wrong. And my guess is uh, he, he, Zach, saw he was getting dragged. And went to the producer because the, the only way he could get that footage is through the producers. So like for sure, and I I think even the producers might be in on trying to cleverly you know get in on some of these controversies to like drum up more PR for the show. Yeah. So yes, Zach was Zach. Zach was done wrong in the edit. It was a, still inc- extremely humiliating and embarrassing. Like don't get me yes. wrong, he he deserves to be shamed for that part. But I, I think he did say it was one of the worst. Yeah, it was. I think he said it was like life. the most embarrassing moment of his life, which is yeah. appropriate, you know. Yeah. But uh, but it it was with this. It's like three percent, two percent less embarrassing than it was before this information was revealed. So, uh, wanted to clarify that. But we, let's go ahead. To other people's problems. I think that's enough airing of our flaws <laughs> and mistakes. Yeah, so and so sorry our, for I mean, all mine. the terrible. Terrible mistakes that the Decoding Reality podcast has made, mostly Joy's. Um, but uh, we're not the only one issuing me a couple, are we, Joy? Um, we are not. We are not. Some pretty spicy ones came out. Spicy and similar to each other. So the big one is Irina posted an apology video on um, Instagram. 
And I have edited down the apology video to one minute, and I'm going to play a clip from the apology video. Uh, here is the apology from Irina that she posted on Instagram. The first thing I want to say is that I have privately apologized to the people that I have hurt and mistreated. And um, second of all, I wanted to say I'm so, so sorry for the people that watched the show that felt frustrated, angry, hurt by the way that I was mistreating people on the show. It was very immature and naive um, of me in a lot of those situations. And I just want to say that Zach, Bliss, Amber, Jackie, Micah, none of those people deserve to be treated the way that I treated them. Even Zach, like he was so vulnerable with me and I so mistreated him and shut him out. And I hope that uh, one day I get to share my experience and uh, what was kind of going on with me emotionally during that experience. Um, but until then, I just appreciate you for watching this and listening to this. And um, thank you. All right. Uh, that was Irina apologizing for her. Oh, shoot, I pressed did the same thing I did wrong yesterday. I pressed the wrong button. Okay. Uh, so what do you think, Joy? I, I do want to say that um, <laughs> uh, Carol says the beginning of this is plagiarized from Micah's apology. <laughs> Micah's apology, which we'll read, is uh, quite similar, quite similar. Yeah. But uh, maybe they had the same PR coaching. I want to say that Irina is being completely dragged in the comments. Uh, she is not getting much sympathy at all in the I, Instagram I saw, I really thought it might be 50-50, and right. it was not even 99-1. It was 100-0 from what I could see, like the well, volume of yeah, vitriol. I, I, I have some reflections on this just apology as a PR move. Um, but, Joy, why don't you share your reaction? Then I'll, I'll talk about like what I think about it. I mean, it seems like a decent base minimal starting point. I hope she means it. She's a private person to some extent, you know, like I don't really it's not my business to accept or not accept her apology, except that maybe she apologized to me, the one of the millions of viewers that was hurt and frustrated by the things she did. I was not that hurt or frustrated. I was mostly um, in shock. But I think... Um, you know, when she says she hopes she gets a chance to um, explain what was going on with her emotionally, that does start to sound a little bit like a deflection, you know, and I'm a little... Well, it sounds more like, hey, Simon & Schuster, are you interested in in the tell-all of the thing? You know, like... Irina, my solo life. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think she... Um, here's what I'll say, because I don't think we will necessarily come back to this. Uh, I was briefly a mean girl. Have we talked about this? I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. I, I was very briefly a mean girl. I'm not proud of that. It was after my freshman or sophomore year of um, high school. I was in a summer camp and I was like one of the oldest kids. And then I became, you know, not like a hardcore bully or a, like you can't sit at my table kind of mean girl. But I definitely probably threw my weight around a little bit. And I remember at the end of that summer feeling like, oh, that was icky. Like I, that was not nice of me. And so I wasn't a mean girl again after that. It was a short period of time, but I do think I can see getting caught up in it. I, I was also like 14 and not 26 or however old Irina is, you know, but um, I, I, I like to believe that there is maybe some chance that she could see all of this reflected back to herself and really be aghast and like really try to move forward from here yeah uh i have a bunch of different thoughts about this on the one hand i think in general as a society uh, we are not good at accepting people's apologies 
I have seen it happen over and over again. Someone does something wrong on the on the global stage or a national stage. They apologize. They genuinely feel bad. They apologize, and then when you see it on Twitter, it's a barrage of hatred of like you, you. This is not genuine. You couldn't possibly feel bad. You know all this stuff about uh, presuming to know what this person's life is and what they think, but they don't know the mm-hmm. person. And and I think that um, we do this to feel better about ourselves. We shame we uh, like the royal we, not you and me, but like the royal we. We shame people because. Uh, somebody does something that we think is terrible, and so we heap scorn upon them because it makes us feel like they are fundamentally a different type of person than me. I would never do that. Uh, and if I can shame them for doing that, then I will feel better about myself because I would, I'm not that kind of person. They are categorically a different, more evil person than me. I, David Chen, think that is a very unhealthy impulse in our society. I think it's... Uh, there's very little empathy online. There's very little understanding of the person that there is like there more often than not, they're just like you and me. And it's very unfortunate that people don't have a lot of empathy. Okay. So I want to start there. That's just a general comment. Having said that, I do think that this was a, and speaking from a PR perspective, uh, because I have experience in PR, um, from my work in corporations, uh, I think this was a miscalculation. Um, really? Irina's apology lacked certain things that people are looking for in an apology. Okay. Um, here are some elements that I would argue were missing from Irina's apology. Number one, specificity. Um, people like there to be specificity about the act in question. Um, I am sorry that I did this. I said this instead. She's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I hurt these people. Generally. You know, there's a time limit on TikTok and Instagram reels. And she did so many fucking upsetting things. Like she doesn't have time. Yeah. But I think it could have been more specific than, okay. you know, I'm not saying identify okay. literally every single terrible thing, but I'm saying maybe I'm really have, sorry. I pulled up that blanket and kicked my feet in delight when someone came in crying. Yeah. I mean, there were, you know, now that you mentioned it, there are like, it is a series of terrible things that she, you know, as I think back on it, is it a bunch of ter- terrible things. Um, uh, the other thing that people usually look for is like, uh, some explanation of why the bad thing occurred, you know, like, mm. um, why did you do these things? You know, she, she basically says it holds up a mirror and I basically now see that I was terrible. And it's like, re- really? So you needed to be filmed to understand. I think um, did. But I understand why people are skeptical of that, you know, like that you really like is literally the act of being filmed and broadcast in millions like that. You, you couldn't have pieced that together before that you were being a jerk. And if so, think so yeah, go ahead well i mean i during my very brief stint as a mean girl like it feels great to be a mean girl you know like you feel very powerful and you feel like in love with yourself and intoxicated like hot drunk on high on your own supply and i i think like uh like anyone who's ever sort of gossiped a little meanly about somebody else like knows what that feels like right so um I think it's very, very possible if you're not terribly self-aware to start off with or really looking for self-criticism or in her case, like quite seemingly insecure and thin-skinned that you wouldn't know. 
And then she just found out, or just found out, just it just aired very recently. It started airing two plus weeks ago. And so the avalanche of shit that's probably come her way has, I'm sure, been like head turning for yeah, her. Yeah, clar- clarifying. I can imagine that being clarifying. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the other thing that people usually include in one of these apologies is um, some specific course of action. You know, something that they're going to change. Mm. I'm going to rehab. Uh, I am going to counseling. I'm doing blah, blah, blah. You know, like something that's like, this is how this is not going to happen again. Right. Um, and so I would argue her apology was missing, amongst others, these critical elements that would have made it feel more sincere. And that is why, as a PR exercise, I think it was largely a failure. So she's done some press. Um, and I think she seems very uh, insincere in that press. Let me just put it mm. that way. That's how it comes across to me. So I actually think she's probably learned nothing. And the apology video like doesn't mean anything to me because I don't feel that I need to be apologized to. So it's not my place to. I would never like chime in on a comment. Do you know what I mean? On somebody's yeah. apology video, unless they're apologizing to me. Yeah. Instead, we have our own little tiny corner over here on the internet where we can share our thoughts. Here at youtube.com slash decoding TV and decodingreality.tv. Okay, you uh, want to move to Micah's apology? Let's do it. I put it on the screen. I'm going to read the pl- uh, I'm gonna, I was going to say I'm going to read the plot summary. I'm going to read the, the, the apology. The plot summary. The apology in its entirety. Uh, quote, a small note. I have apologized privately to the people that were hurt on the show by my hands. I would like to apologize publicly. An emotional immaturity was shown and I will grow from it. To the viewers I've heard, I'm sorry I've triggered so many of you with my behavior. Seeing that person on the screen would make me feel the same anger. As to my comments being off, I will turn them on in time. I'm doing my best to protect my mental health, deserve it or not. It has always been something I've struggled with, and I know I cannot be better. Uh, I cannot better myself if I'm more unwell mentally. I hope you understand that I'm taking accountability privately. I promise to do better in the future, end quote. That is Micah's apology that she posted on her Instagram channel. Uh, any thoughts on this, Joy? I mean, I have no reason to doubt the sincerity of anybody. You know, I, I have a maximal benefit of the doubt that I try to give people in positive intent. I actually just don't even know what the fuck she's talking about. Like, I literally don't know what she's apologizing for. This so is, the specificity issues are even worse in that's this what case I was, to what me. I'm saying. Because what I'm, I'm saying, like, yeah. are you apologizing because your friend Shelby was mean to Paul and you right. didn't take Paul's side? Or do you think that's like not a problem? And it's okay if you think it's not a problem. I just want to know what you're talking about so yeah. I can follow you. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, whatever. You know, she she seems to have really felt the need to say this. Um, and uh, fine. She did. <laughs> <laughs> of all the apologies that have been issued, those were two of them. You Vague know, booking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's some of the stuff that's happened. Uh, Marshall and Jackie have also said stuff to the press, but, but why don't we talk about that? Let's get into that when we yeah. talk. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, Love is Blind, season four, episodes nine, 10, and 11. Finally, half an hour into the podcast, we're getting to the actual conversation about the episodes. <sighs> you wanted to talk a little bit about this show's depiction of Seattle. Yes. So, talk about it, Joy. What do you think? You know, there are some truly iconic Seattle things that we we have not gotten. We have not gotten anybody throwing a fish at Pike Place Market. Um, we have not gotten the hot tub on Lake Union um, that I thought we would. It's like a floating hot tub. People can do it as like friends or, you know, um, as a date. Um, but overall, I feel like in this set of episodes especially, we finally got the visual depiction of Seattle that I have been waiting for. For one thing, 
it finally rains. And that is a lot more accurate to what it's like here. And I think you get a sense of like what it's it's staggeringly beautiful in terms of the mountains and the lakes and um, the city itself is sort of nestled against that backdrop. Um, the the places they've chosen to have as, you know, coffee shops or meeting spots are actually places we, I, I think, represent the city pretty well and are a good, you know, yeah. smorgasbord of what we have to offer. Um, the wedding venue looks genuinely aspirational. And I think that's the first time in Love is Blind history that the wedding venue looks so good. Um, and uh, I, therefore, was just truly shocked by this fucking slander from Kwame about Seattle. Uh, and the slander that you're talking about is Kwame says Seattle is very expensive. I think he says it's like... He says uh, it's overrated. It's overrated. It's like uh, Lamar Odom quality for Michael Jordan prices, I think is what he was... Yeah, the words he used, right? Those are the words he used. Yes, I've been thinking about them a lot. And so... You know, it really sort of took my breath away when Kwame said that, partly because he was coming from a backdrop where he was saying to, I think, his friends, like, in April, I, like, am running outdoors constantly. I'm playing soccer. Like, that's my whole life in Portland. I won't be able to do that in Seattle. And I am deeply confused because it is the same microclimate. It is is a complete nonsense. Out of many terrible things that Kwame has said, that is one of the silliest because yeah, he's like in Portland, I can, I can run around without my shirt on and blah blah blah, and in, and uh, implying that in Seattle you cannot do that. That is wrong. Portland and Seattle have almost identical weather. It is truly baffling. like to the point that I mean, I for unrelated to decoding TV reasons, I recently interviewed a meteorologist who is based in Seattle, and he confirmed that for me. Now, it wasn't about Kwame. It was about something else. But yes, like Seattle and Portland are basically identical forecasts. And so I think it's very interesting that Kwame perceives these cities as so different from each other. They're politically very similar. They definitely have a little bit of a different vibe. And it is partly due to Seattle being um, more Having like huge, huge corporate headquarters like Starbucks, Microsoft, Amazon, Expedia, you know, there are so many big employers for a city of this size and companies with global reach. Portland basically just has Nike in that category. And so for a long time, Portland was um, kind of grimier, artsier, hipper, younger. The joke about Portland is it's where the young go to retire. Um, I think that's becoming less true because Portland is starting to get more expensive. Um, So I do think Portland's a good bargain. And I do think in Portland, the food is definitely better. Um, It really benefits from kind of having a lower cost of living and therefore chefs can sort of afford to try things and take creative risks. The food truck scene is incredible. um, And I do envy that. But um, what really made me hurt inside when Kwame said it is he's not wrong that compared to Portland Seattle is overpriced it's true but I think he is really wrong when he compares us to Lamar Odom in what sense Joy well Lamar Odom is like setting aside any Kardashian entanglements like as a basketball player is kind of like your utility player. I mean, he's very good and he's won a couple rings, but he's not a star. And I just think like, I feel like what he's saying is true of Boise, but like, it's not true of Seattle. Seattle is an actual city with actual charms, you know? So, um, 
no, it's not London, but like, I still think it's kind of great. And so, yeah, I don't want to live where whatever the city that Lamar Odom is. That is not a thing. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, yeah, the, he is right that Seattle is extremely overpriced. That I will give him, you know, and it's become uh, really overpriced. Yeah, yeah. It, it is really overpriced. So no, no argument there. But uh, everything else was complete nonsense that he was saying. So well, and it was it really highlighted this choice that the producers made to have people from other cities join. Like if someone was cast in Dallas, you know, but needed to move to New York City, the sticker shock alone is going to be a huge problem for them, um, you know, in committing to the relationship because they're not going to be able to see how they can make it work. And I think Kwame clearly is like, oh, Chelsea wants like three children right away in this really expensive city. You can see like the doubts piling up even above and beyond whether he's actually ready or really interested in marrying Chelsea. So um, I don't know. I I feel like um, it's, I appreciate the show at least giving him the space to recognize like how Seattle is so expensive and how it, I mean, it highlights in some ways like the income inequality in the country, which is like a problem too. Like mm-hmm. out of all the places this show has been filmed, Seattle is by far the most expensive. Mm-hmm. Trying to, th- Trying, uh, rolling back through my That's Atlanta, Chicago, and Dallas. <laughs> All right, really, Chicago? You think? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. Um, I came from Chicago. It's more expensive yeah. than Chicago. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to mention about the Seattle stuff? Oh yes. Yeah. So um, I have this little thing in my heart that I'm hoping. So the movie Sleepless in Seattle did help popularize Seattle. It was not a hot destination for young tech workers when that movie came out. And then I don't know if you know that there was a Chinese movie mm-hmm. um, that came out that was kind of like a remake of Sleepless in Seattle. It was called Finding Mr. Right. And it was set in Seattle. And so Chinese people who watched it became interested in moving to Seattle and it is credited in the mid 2010s with like part of our real estate boom was people who aspirationally wanted to move to Seattle after seeing this movie. So I'm hoping that Love is Blind will also get people to want to come visit at least if not stay. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, I think think so as well. There's like an explosion of articles but here's all the places they went to in Love is Blind season four. So yeah. Peter, Peter in the chat says, Love is Blind in Denver would be interesting. I've heard hmm. that's very lovely, you know. Hmm. Um, I've heard Colorado is very interesting. It's beautiful, yeah. In, um, in The Sopranos, uh, there was a line. I, I rewatched The Sopranos rec- like last year. I rewatched The Sopranos. And uh, there's a line in uh, The Sopranos, I, I want to say season four or five, where Tony Soprano says to Janice Soprano, his sister, um, did you ever know anybody that ever committed suicide? And Janice says, um, plenty. I used to live in Seattle, Tony. <laughs> and that was the popular concept of what Seattle was for a long time, I think. Uh, and to some degree still is. Uh, so anyway, just a random... Well, I do know Love is Blind is casting in D.C., which hopefully will have a lower suicide rate if not be quite as quite as attractive. Yeah. And you wanted to put a question out to our uh, tens of of listeners, right, Joey? Tens of dozens, yes. Um, So Every every location in Love is Blind for dates and whatever has been identified. Uh, But there is one that we have with potentially one exception, which we cannot figure out exactly where it is, right, Joey? 
I have not seen it identified, and I actually went to some trouble to try to figure it out. I would like to know, where is the coffee shop where Jackie and Josh meet to get back together? I did a freeze frame. I looked at all of the accoutrement. I couldn't find any signage. It feels like it could be South Lake Union. feels like it could be Fremont. Um, And I saw there's um, bags of coffee. And because I know all the coffee roasters in Seattle, I know that packaging is Cafe Vita Coffee now, uh, which is also owned by our friend David. Um, and um, sorry, wow! You can timestamp that. Doing, uh, we're I mean we're broadcasting live, Joy. You know we're doing this without I, a net. I do here. know that, but you can you can still edit later. Mm. Anyway, um, sorry to my mom. Um, the Cafe Vita packaging is very distinctive. So I know they serve Cafe Vita coffee, but it is not a Cafe Vita cafe because I went and went online and I looked in the interior of every single one and they do not have that very distinctive leather bench seating. So if anyone knows where it is, that would really help me. You All know. right. Where, where did jo- Jackie and Josh meet? Yes. I want to call out Jordan in the chat, who is apparently a three-time patron of David Chen. A Filmcast patron, a David Chen Patreon patron, and I think a Decoding TV supporter as well. Jordan, thank you so much. Also, Jordan says, uh, he says, uh, as a triple threat patron, I'd like to request more joy on all channels. And he also says, on topic, I briefly worked with Cameron from season one in Atlanta and was in a few meetings with him. Super weird guy, gotta be honest. Thank you for that reporting from the field. Um, Also, Carol is a David Chen patron, and she seconds the request for more joy. So... Just wanted to throw out uh, those supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate yes, it. Yes, thank you. Thanks for the kind words. And sorry, um, I, I come with lots of interruptions from my mom on the phone. So you have to decide if yeah. you want that package deal. And also, also fact checking needs as well. Very high, yes. high maintenance from a fact checking perspective. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the couples. Let's talk about the couples. There's um, really only one giant thing to talk about, right? There's maybe one and a half things to talk about. Yeah. So the big thing to talk about is, let's see, uh, Jackie and Marshall, right? Yeah. Pretty incredible stuff. Pretty incredible stuff. Yes. So Jackie and Marshall, the relationship completely falls apart. Jackie goes to see Josh. Um, Marshall goes to the wedding clothes shopping day thinking everything's going to be okay. Is informed during the day of that Jackie is not at the her corresponding session and then we later find out like the show makes it seem like though she is at this josh meeting instead of that i think the timeline is a little bit less clear than that in reality um but then they have a wild interaction where she tells him hey this is not gonna work and uh and then he asks for the ring back and then she says no um why did she say no? She says, because you gave it to me and I accepted it. And, you know, and then Marshall, without, without even, you know, without missing Why a beat. Why do you deserve like, the money that you stole from the bank? Because I took it and you gave it to me. <laughs> without missing a beat, uh, says, hey, um, you know, you know what? I want you to keep that ring. I want you to, th- every time you look at that ring, I want you to think about what you've missed. And then... Uh, he packs up his stuff and he leaves, and I don't think they're ever going to talk again. I think that's right. Uh, in fact, I think he's given he's he gave an interview to Variety that was actually very nice. Uh, where he, I mean, he acknowledges that I don't think they've talked um, since then. 
But uh, the the article is entitled "Love Is Blind." Star Marshall has no hard feelings about Jackie. Not everybody has the same level of emotional maturity. A quote him as saying, and he acknowledges they have not talked, or they have talked. I don't think they've spoken, or they've spoken very little, is my sense. But right, let me, right, right. Um, she says, "Does Jackie still have the ring?" He says, "I don't know." Um, and then the question is asked, but you haven't gotten it back? No, no, no. I probably won't ever see that thing again. Have you spoken to her since that conversation that we saw on the show? Um, no, Jackie and I have not spoken. So that is... Okay, that so is this is happening. all very, very, very messy because the show presents a certain timeline, which is largely what you just said. And then there are two other competing possible intersecting, confusing potential timelines. So I, I I don't know that it even truly matters at the end of the day, but I'm just going to highlight quickly that Jackie has made an Instagram post and said that, number one, she had that date with Josh where she accepts the flowers from him. She kisses him. He asks, how is Marshall? She's like, I don't care what he thinks of this, you know, like um, at the coffee shop that I mentioned with the Cafe Vita coffee. That is shown before the breakup conversation in the edit. And she has said that that date actually took place after. Yeah. So now it doesn't really matter that much because I don't think it matters. But I went back and I rewatched the scene where they broke up and it it is basically, you know, she does say, Marshall, I can't love you because I'm attracted to Josh. And I just saw Josh and there's some chemistry. It makes it seem like she literally just left the coffee shop. But I think that whole conversation actually is referring to Chelsea's birthday party. Mm -hmm. So the producer shenanigans worked. It got them together. And, you know, I remember the first time you and I recapped the first batch of episodes from the season, you were like, hey, I don't care what happens to all these side people. And I, you know, just want to say the side people came back because, you know, the producers inserted themselves and it, you know, so this is how Jackie and Josh end up together. Um, I think that the other thing she said in her Instagram post is that the Marshall did not pay for the ring the producers pay for the ring or the yeah. show pays for the ring. Yeah. Now, I don't really know what the etiquette is in this very rare situation. <laughs> um, but I know it's a bad look. I know it's a bad look. <laughs> uh, it makes one seem insincere and maybe a little materialistic. Uh, what do you think, David? Well, first, I want to just acknowledge more. I, I want to give a little bit more praise to Marshall. Like, I was very moved reading this interview with Marshall and Variety. Uh, the question is asked to Marshall A lot of fans have noted your emotional maturity, especially given you were 26 years old on the show. Yeah. But in your fight with Jackie, it seemed that she implied you were less of a man for being in touch with your emotions. What was your interpretation of that conversation? Marshall says, quote, First, I'd just like to backtrack. Jackie didn't verbatim say that I was less of a man. It was my interpretation of it. She very much put that she can't give me what I need as far as the emotional availability or rise to my emotional maturity. Not that she doesn't have that within her, but it just kind of paled in comparison. And that's okay. Not everyone has the same level of emotional maturity as we're talking about. I've heard that I'm soft my my entire life, and that's okay. It took me a long time to get to the point of acceptance. 
I made a birthday video for myself, and I just speak to acceptance. That's my 27th year is just acceptance. I accept myself for exactly who I am. I'm unapologetic about my sensitivity, my emotions, and the fact that I wear my heart on my sleeve. I love myself, and I put myself out there, and that's all that I could ever truly ask for or hope for out of anybody just to put it all out there, end quote. Getting, like, emotional reading it, you know, because it's very – it's clearly somebody who has not only a lot of maturity and understanding of themselves, but can look back on things that have happened to them and, like, recontextualize them in a way that – makes sense and fits in with what he understands of the world and and understand that it doesn't reflect on his own value, which is something that is so difficult to do, right? Well, when, especially for men and especially yeah. for black men, you know, like um, people form a shell partly because it's easier to walk through the world that way on some level. It may not be easier in the long run, but it's like it feels simpler, you know, and you get that message a lot. Yeah. And okay, so I just want to... Props to Marshall. Well, let me just say, Marshall yeah. has t- done a lot of other interviews, and he is unfailingly gracious. Yes. When asked things like, are you upset with Jackie? Or what, what, what do you think Jackie meant when she said this? He'll say things like, you know, you should just ask her that. You know, it's, and he is really clearly, I think he's probably past it or at a place of forgiveness. Yeah. Um, also, she has clarified she does have the ring <laughs> still, and she said she might bring it to the reunion. Wow. Um, yeah. But I think like what I find interesting is I recall some of their interactions in the pods. You know, he wrote poetry and stuff, and she did seem to really appreciate the kind of person he was. I don't think anything changed in how he put himself out there, but I think she maybe just wasn't physically attracted to him, which can happen, you know. Um, is love blind? I think what we've discovered is the answer is definitively no. <laughs> Correct. Because Irina laid eyes on Zach and was like, oh, no, I'm only interested in Paul, who kind of superficially looks like Zach. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I, I feel for him that he went through this heartbreak. But I think it is by far the best outcome for them not to be together. There was, yeah. it doesn't even feel like it was close or like a missed opportunity. I'm surprised that they made it through the pods. And then for her to pick Josh, who was like so diametrically opposite of Marshall, um, you know, Jacqueline says it herself on the way out of the breakup. She basically gives a little direct camera interview where she says, I think maybe I need to do some self work. And I was like, yes, go do the self work. That sounds great. By the way, Carol is dropping some. Truth knowledge bombs on us. He's saying one website's claiming the Jackie Josh coffee shop is called Local Coffee Spot in Belltown. Uh, I don't know her. I hmm. I lived in Belltown for many years. I don't recall a local coffee spot called Local no, Coffee but Spot. Some things yeah. have changed, yeah, you know, for sure changed, in the but, pandemic, especially. Yeah. So I will. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. We will. Yeah, check thanks that for that, that tip, Carol. Okay, on to my thoughts on the uh, Marshall Jackie situation. First of all, like watching this whole Marshall Jackie situation play out and reading Marshall's interviews, to me, it like really justified the enterprise of watching and talking about these shows at all. Because, um, yes, the show edits things and very often misrepresents things, but fundamentally, we know the broad strokes of what happened, which is that Jackie, I think, behaved terribly towards. Uh, Marshall and he had to like put himself together afterwards and make sense of it and we got to see that happen and 
that's just like a valuable experience. That's a valuable thing for him to do. It's a valuable thing for us to be able to learn from it. And I'm grateful for that. So, yes, in, in many I, I, seasons, love is blind is terrible. Um, but in this case, you know, this is actually like a useful learning experience, I thought. Um, you know, I, I think also it's a good learning experience to watch. Like, I think Jackie is probably doing the best she can to sit in her truth when she says stuff like, you know, I wanted I, – I really did feel something for you in the pods, but like – it broke me when I came home and you wanted to talk about things and I was tired. And, you know, like, I, I think, I, I don't think she's incredibly mature. I don't think, you know, I, I do think she's yeah. deflecting. I think she kind of, uh, you know, et cetera. But like, I, I think that is her trying her best to like come up with a story that is like understandable. Okay. In, I, I her even, in that moment. Sure. I haven't even shared really my thoughts on it. So I'm, I'm about to get Oh, sorry. So, um, sorry. So I, I want to start by kind of reiterating that um, it's tough to be broadcast on national television in your 20s. You know, a lot of these people are in their 20s, Micah, Irina, Jackie, they're all in their 20s. And if you had broadcast a lot of the stuff I did in my 20s to millions of people, like, it would probably wouldn't have gone well. Like, it, it just, you know, people are still becoming adults and forming as people, and I do think there is some... Um, grace that should be shown to people who are in their 20s. I mean, you can question their judgment for appearing on the show. I think that's fine. But um, fundamentally, there are still pretty emotionally mature people that are still finding out who they are as people. Okay? So I'm going to start by saying that. That said, Jackie is the villain of Love is Blind. She is by far the most reprehensible character that we've seen. Um, Worse than Shane, worse than Shake. Worse than um, Bartise from last season, in my opinion. Uh, worse than Irina. And that's what's remarkable about this season of television is the villain was in plain sight the whole time. It's like when you get to uh, the end of a movie and it's like Kevin Spacey was Kaiser Soze the entire time. Um, Jackie was the worst person that ever appeared on Love is Blind the whole time and we didn't even know it. Keeping the ring, like everything that happened with Josh, like what's amazing is we've seen that Josh is an incredibly terrible human being. Uh, They probably used the worst portions of him being drunk, but they were still pretty bad. Then for her to get together with him, that's already just like, wow, I can't believe you chose Josh over Marshall. But hey, different strokes for different folks. People have different tastes, whatever, that's fine. But then the decision to keep the ring, uh, as you said, at best, it is a worst look or it is a bad look, you know? Um, and at worst, it just is like, I, I, it is mind blowing to me that someone would say that knowing they were being filmed, even if you really wanted to keep the ring, you know, at least like lie about it and say, you're not going to, and then have an argument off camera and keep the ring. Like it just looks so terrible. Um, so anyway, what do you think the keeping the ring is about? Do you think it's literally like she's going to pawn it? And yes, I think I think it is literally a monetary thing. I think it is literally a That's uh, depressing. Yeah. Well, hey, she probably needs. She we know she is strapped financially in a challenging family situation. It's not out of the question that she would need money, but but the, 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 that's just a very. But that's not the reason she gives. I think Marshall could even support that reason. Right. That's true. But in the moment, the she's very. She is because I want I I loved you when I said yes. <laughs> because you offered it to me and I accepted it. I think is what is like something along the lines of uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Carol says, I doubt she can contractually keep it on The Bachelor if they don't stay married for a year, they have to return it, or at least that used to be the case. I think I think Carol is right about The Bachelor on that front. Um, but who knows what contractually is the case. But yeah, the, the, it's, it is the decision to keep the... Everything until the decision to keep the ring, I was like... Uh, I was thinking to myself, hey, uh, this is not nice, but uh, it's understandable. So for you, this vaults her ahead of Irina, Micah, Shayna, anybody else who's... Yeah, catapults her to the top of the Love is Blind villain list. And if you Google or if you search on Twitter for Love is Blind Jackie, I mean, she is being completely annihilated. There's no one even sympathetic to her uh, uh, in the comments. So yeah, actually, the, the comments about her have gotten incredibly ugly. Like, Irina was trashed, but, like, people didn't call her, like, so many ad hominem names. I'm actually uncomfortable with how hard people are going after mm-hmm. Jackie. Okay. Well, I hope I didn't go too over the top just now. Um, I mean, I don't agree with your take, yeah. but I understand where you came from. I will say uh, we do know someone who saw who the villain was the whole time, and that is um, our sister-in-law, JC. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? she In our group text about this, she said, uh, Irina, Micah, but I don't like Jackie either. Jackie's just as mean. And I mm. thought, oh, no, Jackie's great. Jackie's a diamond she saw it in coming. the rough. She saw it coming. Yeah. Jackie's a project. Yeah, I was wrong. Like Marshall, I was taken in. <sighs> yeah. So, rough stuff. Uh, I, I do agree with you that she clearly needs to work on herself, and she acknowledges that during the course of the conversation. Yeah, so that's she good. says it a little offhandedly. But yeah, she yeah. says it kind of like in a state of duress, but it, it's a very odd thing. Um, but yeah, that's that's my assessment. You know, people, let, let us know if you agree or disagree. DecodingTV at gmail.com uh, is where you can share your thoughts. But I, so can I, I was starting to lay out that there are like these alternate sources, um, you know, so the show is one source. Another thing is this post she made. And can I, can I just try to get into this leaked text thing? Yeah, sure. Before you do that, Isabelli in the chat says, I heard on Deep D and Natalie's podcast. So Deep D and Natalie from last season have a podcast in which they are recapping this season of Love is Blind. Uh, that production allowed Natalie to keep her ring after saying no to Shane. So I think Love is Blind is a different animal than The Bachelor. But go ahead. They made it all the way to the altar. Like, I'm very confused if Shayna... I think Shayna had resources. But, like, if Jacqueline or, um, you know, anybody else, like, doesn't make it to the altar, like Irina and Zach, like, is somebody on the hook for that, for them breaking up that early in the show? Mm-hmm. Um, All right. So you want to get into the apology or, or is that what you said? No, no. The leaked text. Oh, the leaked text. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. This is really complicated and I don't think I'm going to get into all of it. But And the only reason I'm bringing this in is because it was hard to know if it was real or not is because Marshall has commented on it. But basically, there is a group text with Jackie and her friends. It is timestamped from last year when the show was filming. There's a shot of her and Josh together at a... I think they're at a Mariners game and they basically um, she says something like my boo or my sweetie or my boyfriend. Um, And I, then she says, is anyone available to go dress shopping on May 3rd? Because we need to basically stretch out this engagement I have to Marshall for the cameras. 
So can any of you like show up and be my friends at this dress fitting? Well, as we know, she never even makes it to the dress fitting. Mm -hmm. So the timeline of like, when was she actually with Josh? When was the breakup conversation? When was the dress shopping? When did they actually... Like how how long did they keep some version of this going for the cameras? And then did the producers just like screw with that whole timeline in order to make the story make sense to the viewer? Like I think that is a question. Um, the other thing she says in these texts is basically she insinuates that um, Marshall is gay or bi and that she's like really not about it. And um, he has responded both directly and – like indirectly to say he's not. Um, but I think that is like pretty painful to me that Marshall is being called on to defend his masculinity. And to be clear, if you're bi, you're not less of a man. Like that is or or you're gay. You know, like it it doesn't I, I don't know, I find that whole concept like very offensive to start off with. Um, so I feel ultra pained that anybody would have to say, like, oh, if I'm even if he is gay, you know, that doesn't make him less of a man. You just yeah. need to, like, address what you think a man is. Um, I don't know. I just <laughs> – the whole thing I find, like, really upsetting. And it's really upsetting to me that she would talk that way about somebody behind their back. And to me, it's more offensive than the ring. Fair enough. I, <laughs> there's many reasons to dislike this character. But, you and know, the, you and I, I have a dental cleaning tomorrow morning. What if Jackie's my dental assistant? That, that's the thing. This is the thing that I, I said. What happens if we bump into Jackie at our dentist's office? Right? Like, that is a distinct possibility because she's a dental hygienist working in the Seattle area. I don't know, man. I'd have to find um, a new... My, she is not touching my teeth. No. Because she'd probably get, like, all vindictive if she sensed bad energy coming off of me and, like, poke me on purpose. Yeah. She just seems a little bit unstable slash not totally trustworthy. So, yeah. Gustavo Garcia says, it's pretty upsetting for the LGBTQ community to catch a stray because she can't handle her toxic personality. Um, I would agree. Uh, her behavior overall is pretty unacceptable. So, Yeah. And I, I'm not even like getting into how she described it because I find it so fucking offensive that I, I don't even want to give it any airtime. Like okay. the specific words. So, yeah. But elsewhere in the love is blind verse. Ayana appeared on a podcast from season three, season two, the, the Natalie and Shane yeah. season, Chicago. Um, and the internet is ablaze with people who want Ayana and Marshall to get together. Two people that they think were really wronged by their partners on this show. Yeah. yeah. And she has sort of responded a little bit um, jokingly to it. Um, so we'll we'll see. I don't I think he might be seeing someone else. Who knows? You know, the world is big and Seattle and Chicago are far apart. but. I do think spiritually, these seem like two really kind people who deserve for something good to happen to them. All right. Who should we talk about next, Joy? Uh, well, I think the most prominent storyline is uh, Kwame and Chelsea. Mm -hmm. This is the one where we see most of the wedding. We see Chelsea say yes, and we don't know what Kwame's response is because I think the producers know that we're probably going to be very doubtful of it so uh yes so um i felt exhausted just thinking about this storyline you know it is said several times in this batch of episodes that chelsea is loud you know and i think chelsea 
even says about herself that she's loud. And I guess Kwame is also loud. And I just feel the clash of their personalities so intensely that like, I don't, I don't think I'd want to spend, I'm sure they're lovely, good people, but like, I just, I I don't know. I, I find the idea of like, there's one point at which Kwame goes to visit a bunch one side of her family at maybe it looks like kind of mercer island um somewhere on lake washington maybe and uh he's like they're basically a bunch of chelsea's <laughs> and i was like wow <laughs> being in a room with a bunch of chelsea's wow it seems um, like he's so, kind of dying inside when he says that but you know i can't you know we can well and you know they have a lot of family time and they're very like affectionate with each other there's just a lot of extra there but it yeah. does seem like warm and positive there's just like a very large amount of it um so yeah a lot, a lot of fascinating moments uh she tries to force feed him these chocolate covered strawberries that he doesn't want while they go shopping at DTE which is a store i have shopped at it's Unfortunately, extremely expensive. Um, is that the one on, she, uh, on Sixth and Olive? Is it's that store, right? Yeah, it's across from the flagship Nordstrom. Yeah. I used to work like two blocks from there. So yeah. yes, yeah. yes. Um, they have a boudoir photo shoot across from the Amtrak station where I take the train. Sometimes, <laughs> did you notice that? I, d- I dug that. Uh, what I dug about that shoot is um, is. Highlighter Bo- yellow underwear. Boudoir photography. Yeah, you know, not the outfits I would have chosen, but boudoir photography is uh, like you end up producing very cool, sexy images, but very often the process of making them is not sexy. And I think that that it really captured the. Pro- and you don't see the images, but like it's very, very much captured that hey, uh, you could see this looking kind of awkward and weird in the creation process so yeah yeah I was and that was cool and Kwame was game in. and that's that's nice you know that's yeah, cool yeah yeah um and uh and another you know hard convo with his mom um that we don't really see all of but we do get to see Chelsea praise his song is like the most beautiful song she's ever heard <laughs> are you okay I'm really not because I I just can't believe that Chelsea thinks that song was really really great. Well, actually, I can't. Uh, I mean, you thought it was pretty good the first time you heard it, but uh, I do want to read from uh, supporter of the David Chen Arts, uh, Stephen Miller, who writes at DecodingTV.com. I have to thank David for calling out Kwame's horribly out of tune guitar in the pods. This was not your classic. Oh, this guy lacks perfect pitch and or digital tuner situation. This was nails on a chalkboard bad. That high E string could be used to strangle a puppy, and it still wouldn't be the worst crime it's committed. It boggles my mind that anyone who plays guitar, even the three or four chords Kwame uses, would strum that for a second before thinking, damn, I need to tune this before I continue, end quote. So, uh, harsh words from Stephen Miller about Kwame's out-of-tune guitar. Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, But now that I've heard it, I can't unhear it, you know, now no. that you've pointed it out. I will um, say Kwame's family is like really cool. Like you see, you know, his mom is not in the mix, but his sister is very sweet and very nice, very bubbly. Awesome. His They're brother great. seems great, yeah. you know, and they, they seem to understand like how to help him maybe navigate. I didn't realize his mom is his best friend. They say that. And that was like hard to believe he's going to say yes, knowing that. Um, but you know, I just feel like Kwame, it feels like he's talking himself into this whole thing, you know, like he's adding up like, okay, I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to make new friends. She's not really 
understanding that that's yeah. a sacrifice for me. My dad doesn't even know that I'm getting married or it, it turns out eventually that his dad does, but like how the, the cost of all those things feels like it's adding up. And then I think it's at suit shopping. He, he basically, um, someone, he, he says to like his friend, if one of us says no, that it will be a very, very, very scary step back. And it feels almost like he's avoiding, you know, out of fear. He doesn't want to have that happen. So then it's like, well, you just put one foot in front of the other. And next thing you know, you get married, which is, I think, probably not the right <laughs> mindset for this show. But, you know, I Matt actually and Colleen think, got married. So maybe Kwame and Chelsea will get married. I think I have been exposed to the actual reality of what happens. So I think I know what actually happens in this case. Um, do you have you mean a? You have been exposed, like someone I, came and flashed you. I can't comment on it more than that. But do you have an opinion on whether or not Kwame says yes in the next episode? I think Kwame should say no, but I think he might say yes. I okay. really think he might say yes. All right. Next up, next couple. Who do you want to go to next? I mean, I, let's just say Brett and Tiffany, their life continues to be really awesome. That's it. I don't know that we really need to talk about it. They do take a little flight uh, over Lake Union, which is very yes, lovely. That seaplane you know? date is quintessentially Seattle. Yeah. Chef's kiss. I did that as my, my first time as a tourist in Seattle, and that was really awesome. Um, I really loved that, you know, they, she had a moment and he was comforting her and they continue to feel like just a really calm, aspirational, almost not good television kind of couple. But I, I appreciate <laughs> that, that they're there for us to all learn from. And I actually thought it was interesting, you know, she was saying like how frazzling it was to try to have this wedding go perfectly. And, you know, the wedding is supposed to be planned for you, but there's still a ton of like logistics of family and friends, some of whom are not going to be super even excited that you did this. And um, she's going to have bridesmaids. And, you know, I think that for her, it feels like this is her wedding. She wants the wedding she would have wanted to have in terms of quality of outcome. And at the same time, she's saying, it's almost like I don't want a wedding. And I think they put that in there to provide some fake, you know, drama for this storyline, which we all believe is headed toward them both saying yes. But I think that I really like that Tiffany wasn't necessarily about getting married. You know, I really empathize with that. And I just admire her for that. I loved meeting Fred's dad and Brett. Yeah, Brett's dad and his, apparently they have not, not flown in decades and they did for this, and that was very nice. It's, they're very, they seem very sweet, you know. I didn't Google this, and I should, but I don't know if you know where they're from. That accent sounded so Louisiana to me. It sounded so much like the Bayou. Like I really miss Southern Louisiana. I think the voices, you know, the accents are incredible. They're very like soothing to me. Like when I watch Treme um, or other pieces of. Um, Culture set in New Orleans, I get very like homesick for that. So I just, I was like, I could just listen to Brett's dad talk all day. Um, so yeah, that was very, very charming. All right, let's move on. Uh, we got Micah and Paul and Bliss and Zach left. So let's do oh. Micah and Paul. How about that? Okay, so they meet up um, in that um, sort of alley of restaurants in Capitol Hill. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think so, yeah. Um, it's yeah. got like the Italian place in the back yeah. and yeah, I've been there. but it's been like, 
Yeah, yeah, cool. I have too. It's changed over. So the restaurant name that they have now, I, I actually didn't recognize, but um, they their storyline just feels the most because Paul again is the only quintessentially Seattle person on this show. Paul's storyline like feels the most Seattle to me. It feels really believable that they would go to that set of restaurants. It feels really believable that they would go make their own wedding rings um, at Lawless Forge. You know, I feel like Paul would either want to make their own wedding rings or he would do what you did, which is he would prefer a silicon band because it like <laughs> prevents ring avulsion. <laughs> Well, there is that point when Paul says, "Hey, like uh, from a measured risk, pr- from a strategic risk perspective, or something like that." He's like, "You know, getting married to this person is would be the largest strategic risk I've ever taken in my life." You know, is very yeah, yeah, analytical yeah. way of approaching it. Um, another amazing detail: um, they're going to spend time apart before the actual wedding, so that they don't see each other on the wedding day. Um, and he, of course, has that giant camping slash hiking backpack that everyone in this city has. It's like as tall as your torso. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. You know, you know, Micah would have like luggage, and she'd have a matching wheeled luggage set. Um, she does not have a camping backpack, is my guess. Um, but, you know, we see that Shelby, the friend, goes to the dress shopping, but still is not really in... I mean, she's pretty snide about the... She basically says about Micah, well, this is what she wants right now, but we know how quickly things can change with her, you know? Um, I saw some speculation that Shelly is actually in love with Micah, uh, and that's why she was crying when she met Paul that week. Um, but I think, you, you know, who knows about that? I think, um, I think you can have a possessive love that's not romantic and I yeah. do, it does seem possessive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Micah's mom shows up to the bridal fitting. Um, she's oh, a little... and there's a very, there's a very sweet moment where she, her mom clearly has had health problems in the past. Yeah. And she's yeah. saying like, Hey, look, I'm here. I'm healthy. I can be with you. And, yeah, that it made me very, wonder if it was like a yeah. cancer, like a very, yeah. Yeah, and that was very moving, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's not uh, super into Paul, it feels like, but okay. You know, maybe there are interactions we've caught off camera and who, who knows if she'll come around. Often the family seem to kind of come around by wedding day-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know... Uh, did you catch when Paul was sitting outside, like there's an exterior, he's sitting outside an apartment. I think that might be his apartment. Um, that looked like Queen Anne. And I, I just, I really love everything about Paul's depiction. I think Paul gets kind of a bad rap online, but I, I, I like Paul. I think I'm in favor of Paul and his okay. robotic version of love. Um, <laughs> I, uh, well, this is a little bit speculative. Um, I will just say it has come to my attention that I think Micah rents in Arizona a second apartment. So, mm-hmm. you know, Micah rents a second apartment houses. in Arizona, you're saying? Yeah. Yes, I think so. And I, I think it's not uncommon for people here um, to want to spend part of the winter in Arizona or California or Hawaii. Usually people don't have the resources to do it. So I don't know how she quite does it, but yeah. Do we think Micah and Paul will say yes? No, I do not. Really? I I think they're going to say yes, but I think what's weird is... Because I don't think they would go through the whole rigmarole of, uh, I, I, you know, let's not see each other. Anyway, uh, Gustavo Garcia says, 
hearing Paul and Zach talk about relationships, it's like they're reenacting a chat GPT generated therapy session. <laughs> Uh, I, I, here's what I, and also we, we didn't even talk about the scene where like Micah gets super drunk and with her friends and it, it becomes the kind of quintessential drunk woman in her twenties, I think in that, in her sequence of the bachelorette party, um, which whatever, you know, pe- people get drunk sometimes. Uh, the, it's, it's kind of sad that the show is like airing all this footage cause it does make Micah look pretty bad, I think, but it's not dignified, you know? Yeah. Um, but I guess what I would say is, hey, if they're happy, great. If if they're happy together, great. Um, there is nothing about these people that make me think they would be a good fit. You know, that make me think that they are a right, a good match for each other in any way at all. Um, in terms of physically, in terms of mentally, intellectually, emotionally, um, nothing, nothing. Uh, I'm actually surprised they're as infatuated with each other and into each other as they are even now. Um, but I really think Paul will say no. If uh, if they say yes and it works, it's like, oh, this is a great kind of sign or a, a definitely a clear sign that it's possible to be happy with someone who outwardly, it seems you have absolutely nothing at all in common with. Uh, and so I, I will grant it that, but I think th- that, um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't see it. I don't see why it would work on any level. Like, I don't even yeah. think they have like good chemistry with each other from what I can no. tell, you know? So it's just like, I agree. I uh, agree. I, I don't even know what's going on here. When you know, he describes how she makes him feel, it sounds like, I mean, useful, but certainly not like let's get married levels of useful. So, um, yeah, yeah. But but again, no one knows what's in another person's relationship. You know, no one knows what people are getting or not getting out of people's relationships. So hard to judge sometimes. But anyway. Yeah. And finally, Bliss and Zach. All right. <laughs> so the centerpieces of the Bliss and Zach interactions this episode, in this batch of episodes, are meeting Bliss's parents. Separately, um, yeah. Bliss's mom, and then separately, mom and her sisters, and then Bliss's father with her stepmom. And uh, the the visit with the mom goes pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Zach has to then explain, like, the whole... I, I don't think he has to, but... Yeah, I, he comes clean about it. He comes clean about it, proposing to Irina first. And it, it's my soul exited my body during that scene I, it was just so excruciatingly uncomfortable um when he needs to tell them hey i proposed to another woman eight days ago <laughs> or whatever it was yeah um, and i haven't had time to process why i did that you know like i think his yeah. answer to that today one year later yeah. is a lot better than it was 11 yeah. months ago yeah uh but then the mom like seems to come around by the end and it's like i would be your mom too and that's like very Moving. That was really moving because, you know, Zach did yeah. lose his mom and, you know, and also is so worried about being accepted by parents in general. I also thought what really came through for me was that Zach's mom or uh, Bliss's mom and sisters really, really are like care about Bliss, respect Bliss, respect her choices, respect her judgment. You know, like it really felt like that. Um it wasn't just a concern for, you know, of course they have that, but also like a, a trust in her. So then he meets Bliss's dad 
that conversation kind of goes the opposite. <laughs> that conversation does not go as well. And what I love about that conversation is he doesn't even talk about the Irina situation because it's like. He never even gets there. <laughs> he doesn't even get there. Because can you imagine if Lisa's dad heard about the Irina situation? How kind of. I mean, maybe he did tell her, but I find it hard to believe that they didn't include that footage. Um, uh, yeah. Hey, David, are you into golf? <laughs> uh, absolutely, I am. You know, Thank I wish I, yeah. I wish I was more into yeah. golf than I am. I knew honestly. you were my kind of per- and fishing. You into fishing? Freaking love fishing. Freaking yeah. Fa- I, yeah. I find it to be completely fascinating. Oh, good. I am now going to talk a lot because I like to do that, and then I will think that you are like me. That's how the conversation should. That's happen. hey hey people out there who are beating your your significant other's parents. You don't need to lie. You just need to uh, be a little bit more pliable, you know? Just, like, just now, I mean, you did outright lie. Can I offer I, a me- an interim I? lie? D- d- David. <laughs> yes? David. How is golf scored? <laughs> I, I, I know that's the one where if you have a higher score, it's bad. Um, what I would offer for people is, uh, when someone says, do you like golf and you are not into golf, but you know, this is a high stakes, you might soften the ground by saying, yeah, not, not as much as I'd like to be, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm interested to learn more. Well, I wish I could get out there more, you know? <laughs> um, by the way, I think that people shouldn't get speeding tickets. <laughs> Did you know that the criminal code of Washington state actually has the most common infraction uh, that should actually be civil? And to be fair to Zach, that topic he raised is one that I would want to talk about. But Zach is not doing a good job of reading the room. And it really just comes across as just a fire hydrant. A fire hydrant of what? Just aimed at this guy who wants to talk about golf and fishing. It's like instead you get a fire hydrant of criminal code minutia. I, I think fire hose is the word you're looking for, but yeah. Oh, um, a fire hydrant when the thing is, um, yes. you know, unscrewed yeah. like the kids in New York City. Fire hose. Fire hose, but, I think. Yeah. Uh, no, so, I am referring to a hydrant. I know the difference <laughs> between the hydrant and the hose. When you unscrew the thing, the yeah, water yeah. goes out and everybody, yeah. It's just it's just the, the, the common idiom is like drinking from a fire hose. That's what people say or, you know. Okay, it's the, a gusher. It's a gusher. All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, that goes very badly. And Bliss's dad, uh, also Carol says, I was with the hydrant. So Carol's with you. Um, Thank you, Carol. The uh, Bliss's dad comes off as pretty terrible in the chat. I have to say, like in the edit, he comes off as very not open and understanding <laughs> and well, bitter. You know, I think that Bliss's dad has every reason to be skeptical of the process, and Absolutely. it's fine if he just doesn't like Zach personally. Like he, Zach is not his kind of dude. Okay, right, fine. Right. But what I found really painful was that he spoke to Bliss in a communication style that I found very belittling. Like mm. he, he, she, he would start a point and then she might like kind of jump in because she wanted to rush to defend herself. And then he'd say, okay, fine. Now you're going to make me lose my train of thought. And I'm like, okay, like, do you, you know, is that the important thing here? Like whether you keep your train of thought, yeah. you know, cause I bet you can come back to, I hate this guy and you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> and I felt like there was a lot of, I wouldn't even call it passive aggressive, but when you kind of mutter things under your breath or you mm-hmm. kind of don't say 
things very directly um, like that troubles me. And what I found, the second thing I didn't care for was that he doesn't need to like Zach. Bliss needs to like Zach. And Bliss seems like a huge dork. Like in a the best possible way, I think Bliss and Zach are just sort of these like nerdy, you know, people who love to go on and on about logic data and minutia. And so I think it's like a failure for him to notice bliss and like what makes her who she is um, that I felt, you know, disappointed in that he like, I don't know who he would pick for her then. And he, he tells this weird story about how he fired this other guy that was seeing his daughter. And that led the daughter and the guy to run away and get married together. Like there's just kind of an odd sort of controlling vibe there that I did not love. Indeed. Do we think these people are going to make it? I do. I've come around to yes on this one. All right. I don't think she cares what the dad thinks. And I think the mom's yes is more important to her. I'm going to say they don't actually get married in the next episode, but they are still together today. That's what I'm hmm. like. Hmm. They kind of pull an SK Raven without the cheating situation. You know? <laughs> so, so, you know, my own instincts on this show, um, I second guess so badly because of SK and Raven. I was wrong about SK and Raven at kind of like every turn, like every time there was a batch of episodes, every time there was a reunion, you know, I, yeah. So I feel like, Yes, there are tricks producers pull in the edit to make you think things are going to go one way or the other. But like even Raven was fooled, you know, like so I I feel bad for her. Um, but, you know, I, I think I, I just can't tell who's acting, not acting, hiding secret relationships on the side, etc. Agreed. And I think that's a great life lesson to learn. Also, Gustavo saying, boo, David, give love sight unseen a chance. I... I think I am. I th- I'm saying they're still, they don't get married, but they're still like, they, they're like, hey, it's too quick. We've only known each other for, or we, you know, I've only met you for 12 days. Let's keep together, but not get married right now. That's, that's what I'm saying they conclude. So, um, those are my we thoughts. We shall see. Now, yeah. um, because there's been a pandemic and also our neighborhood that we live in, is a little remote in some ways from the rest of the city. I have not been out and about in the past year, but I really am racking my brains trying to figure out, have I ever met any of these people? We mentioned last time we have had more degree, you know, more um, people come to us with like connections. Now we have even more um, as the days go by, we're learning about more folks who worked with, went to school with, know the boyfriend of, you know, et cetera. In general, the people that we know ha- did not make, certainly didn't make the final um, for the most part. We have one connection to someone in the final. And then um, the final five couples. Some of them, like, didn't even get any screen time at all. Um, like, was it Adam or Alex, like Kwame's friend from the pods that showed up to the suit fitting. And I was like, who is this guy? We never even saw him before. Um, but, you know, it is. It I did is like we got some, one of Zach's friends was an Asian dude. So we got some Asian yes, male representation, Asian representation on the show, finally. Yay. It wasn't creepy. Yes. Yeah. Yay. Um, 
I still think Wendy, the aerospace engineer who kickboxes, should get her own dating show. Um, but, you know, it's it's nice. I actually do feel, you know, that we're coming closer to sort of justice for Seattle, Seattle representation, and it it really feeling in our lives like these people weren't just like flown in from, you know, wherever else as cast. Indeed. All right. It's just the people we knew indirectly were not interesting enough, apparently, to make the final cut. Indeed. Uh, anything else you want to mention before we wrap up, Joy? No, I mean, I think the prior seasons, one to two weddings out of five, has felt like the average. So I would be surprised if we got above two. And we think <laughs> Brett and Tiffany are one. So the question is just who is the other. I mean, maybe Jackie and Josh get married. I think we're going to get three. Well, okay. No, I won't, oh! say, anything. I won't say anything more. Okay. But I think it might be higher than two. Three out of five is impossible. Uh, Because we only are down to four. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. If you're watching this live at youtube.com slash decoding TV or twitch.tv slash decoding TV, thanks so much for your comments. You can find more episodes of this podcast at decodingreality.tv. And a big thanks to all the folks over at decodingtv.com for making this podcast possible. We really appreciate it and hope you enjoy this show. But download the podcast version at decodingreality.tv. Decodingtv at gmail.com is where you can let us know about all, all of the your thoughts. errors that we've made this week. We and doing a lot of heavy thoughts. lifting in that sentence. All right, and uh, until next time, next week, we'll be uh, talking about the final episode as well as the reunion episode sometime in the next week or two. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later. Goodbye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.